it's year six. Today is a special day. show started hey what's up y'all yay hey peace 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 oh i love recording that that makes me so happy to do that every year and it's funny for people to have different names for mickey that you're having to change the names oh my god but yes, it is our sixth anniversary. I am so excited about this because, you know, I didn't know what this was going to turn into, but I'm glad it turned into something where I get to um, talk my shit and talk my shit with my people. Love yeah. it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, yeah. love it. I really love it. You know, one of my biggest passions is to get my voice out there as a Black trans woman. So I've enjoyed it for many reasons. One of the main reasons I enjoy this is because you, Diamond, are the curator. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to do is show up and talk and be prepared to talk about a specific topic. Typically... I'm the one doing all the work, the behind the scenes, the in front of the scenes, the marketing, the advertising, all the things. So I just enjoy the fact to be involved in a platform that is already established. 
I could just show up and be myself. You know, Diamond, you do all the curating, you do all the production, you do all the everything. So I just get to show up and be me. I don't have to do the work in front of the camera and behind the camera. So that is a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) I said that. I said I would love to do another podcast, but not do the work of podcasts and just show up and be the host. I would love to be a, but, and not about trans stuff either. I just want to be the host of a show where I'm just talking about general, whatever the podcasters be doing, where they get to talk about normal stuff and not social justice because their life doesn't depend on it. That's another thing. It's so stressful. The things that we talk about because we, talk about injustice at least once a week and injustice that hits home because any of these stories could literally be one of us or somebody who we're extremely close to. So yes, it, it takes the stress. I'm still talking about stressful things, but it's less stressful because I can just focus all my energy on giving my ideas, opinions, sharing my thoughts and emotions and venting, you know? Mm. I'm always excited about, you know, the growth every year because we have grown every year since we have been doing it. And it has been, you know, just for me looking at the numbers and looking at, um, you know, just every year, 300,000, 400,000 people in the whole year span. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a lot of folks that's just kind of that's listening in the in the years, man. I wish it was four hundred thousand a month. But <laughs> we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there in the past, honey. But you know, in usually it's like between three. You know, like last year it was like three hundred and sixty three three hundred and sixty thousand. Um, and then this year is perspective to be um like four hundred. So I'm excited. I, I'm always excited about getting better numbers each and every year. And that is dope. I love, um, you know, of course, I love what we talk about, regardless of the stress, I think is, you know, it's just a passive way for people to learn. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm just, I love Marshall Spade. Yeah, I love being here. I wish I discovered Marsha's plate earlier. I really do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm starting to get, you know, get more comfortable and just kind of get into the groove. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's 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 different. You You're know? coming up podcast. It'll be coming to be right one on one. Okay, we're diamond queen of communications. Um, no, but yeah, it's it's been great. I think coming out of like a space where I had a lot of conversations around these things for work, and even though I had social friends, and it was we still would kind of talk about it like we were talking about work. So to have this space, you know, uh, to talk about things that people are talking about in the community, you know, it's like okay, as I become more chill, y'all know I can have some. Tangential thoughts that come in the wrong place, and my apologies starts in my head and my heart. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'm learning. I'm just learning the craft better, right? And like learning how to, yeah, better communicate and ask the right questions. Um, I'm excited. My personal capacity has shifted. Where we got some interviews coming up, um, so I'm excited to kind of dig in more with Marshall's play. 
Um, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of finding my footing, you know. Um, hey. Yeah, it's been great. And then Bree coming on too. I've been through these different iterations, you know, and just, you know, appreciate the audience too, just like vibing with just the, the energy and just letting it flow. So I'm, I'm really excited for your number two. Wait, no, we coming into, yeah, two. No. Yeah. Two. You're two. Yeah. It's two yeah, for two. you. Yeah. Uh, it it, it feels like longer though. You know what I'm saying? That's because like, you've been a listener. <laughs> yeah, I, right, exactly. <laughs> I, I've been a long time listener. Exactly. Rhea is new, new, because she wasn't a listener. Yeah, Bri, no, no, Bri, no, no, no. Oh, you fresh? She fresh, fresh. <laughs> yes. I'm so, new, okay. new, because I always come with the new, new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, not, it's nice to be able to not be like in work mode and have these kind of conversations um, because they're needed just casually within the community as well. Um, and yeah, and we talk about what people talking about. So, yeah. Uh, so let me read some of our reviews for the past year so that we can get acquainted with our audience. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all yes, right. Yes, yes. That's always helpful. Thank you for uh, writing some reviews, y'all. Yes, we love this. Love, 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 love. So I'm going to read them. So I'm going to start. This is an easy one. This person says. Uh, the best thing to wake up to and get your day started. I love that. Like Folgers. <laughs> okay. In your cup. Okay. Folgers in your cup. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, all right. So this one, um, they titled it Doing the Lord's Work. <laughs> uh, the Relax Missy. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Diamond is educating the masses and also entertaining, encouraging the, the change. Thank you for doing this work, y'all. I love LJ's commentary, topic he's bringing to the show. I hope the OG co-hosts are doing well. Yes! I think that's a, some love to Mia yes. and Mia and Z, of course. Because this is one in the beginning of the year. So, yes, I love for that. I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Unrelaxed Missy. I hope that's about your hair. <laughs> and this is our very first, our very first negative one, which, you know, I think it's funny. I'm, I'm going to read it. So this is, I don't know their name, but they give us a one star. Oh, that one. They gave us a one star and, it, it, they, and they titled it Sick. This is Total woke garbage for and by groomers and mentally ill trannies. Oh, <laughs> clutch my pearls! Oh my god, <laughs> you must wow. be a conservative. You using their talking points? That's so interesting, so original. Exactly, exactly. It's like I where, have I, where have I not heard this before? Oh wait, a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is this a Fox News anchor? Okay. They having imagine are grooming. I know y'all don't think I'm talking about the plants, but they be out there giving us these one stars on my broom. Honey, imagine we are grooming children to actually feel comfortable being something other than the norm. Ah. <laughs> Grooming children to love themselves, right, grooming right. parents to accept their children unconditionally. Okay, <laughs> right. exactly, exactly. Come yes, on. grooming you to center the voice of people who are 
more marginalized. We are grooming. Yes, we are grooming. And it is very mentally ill for us to want to dismantle racism. That is crazy. That is bad. We should be in an asylum. Also, yeah. very mentally ill for us to want to dismantle patriarchy because, of course, that doesn't harm anybody. I mean, but look, but look, the fact that they even said you are mentally ill in 2023, that part, too. It's like, uh, girl, okay. Okay, baby. Here, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I have been but very open about my mental illness, but my transness and my blackness are not mental illnesses. Thank right. you. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Thank you for leaving us a comment and engaging. The, imagine you listening to a show and then taking your time, first of all, to listen mm -hmm. and then right. going to do a review <laughs> for it. I, I, you know, for something I don't like, I'm going to click it off and go mind my business. But you, I, you know, I get you, get your life. Time, <laughs> time, time is a luxury. Yeah, so you must have a lot of it. Uh, all right, back to the positives. This one is titled, this one is from In My Projects, titled Tens Across the Board. Come on, come on, cuckoo cow. Okay. <laughs> and they say, <laughs> great energy, feel good vibes. I don't know what this word is. I'm, um, I don't know what this word is. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what it is. It's C O N V I V I A L. I don't know what that word is. What is or convincingly or something? I don't know what it is, but oh well. It's okay. black, it's trans, it's us. I listen every yes. week and y'all <laughs> give me life. Shout out to LJ coming oh, wow. through with the history. P.S. Mm -hmm. One of my funniest part of the show is Miss Diamond <laughs> playing Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> yes. I die every time I listen to that part. <laughs> Thank you. They're yes. talking about the part where I ask you to become a preacher. Make you be, make sure you become a preacher. <laughs> All yes, right. Sir. This the next one um, <laughs> is uh, is it by Shantae, and it is titled "A Lovely Podcast." Thank you, Shantae. Thank you, Shantae. I like Lovely. I yeah. love this podcast so much. It is a great mix of activism, theoretical framework and analysis, but also pop culture and a kiki. The hosts are funny and intelligent. Keep up the great work. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, yes, yes. And last but not least, this is from Lala. They gave us a five star and they said, I will always ride hard for Marsha's plate. Oh, but this most recent episode, walking and talking through the host's perspective on classism is another example how much care and vulnerability and honesty goes in each episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being open to community feedback and for another absolute banger episode. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for noticing. Love, 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 love. We thank y'all for giving us feedback, like we talked about on our last episode. We, um, you know, this is a vulnerable space. We are sharing our thoughts. We are sharing. We working kind of off the top of our head. So sometimes stuff that we talk about, we haven't 
worked all the way through in internally, externally, however that works. We but we're putting it out there for y'all to learn along with us, and we love it. We this is this is it's exciting for me, and I'm sure it's exciting for my co-host. And yes. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, yes, let's interrogate together. <laughs> let's interrogate the things together. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You are not alone. You are not alone. What are y'all looking forward to for this coming year? I'm just looking forward to being here. Honestly, I've been from the beginning, from the first dollar I made from social media, I've been always wanting to be on a platform like this. Um, it wasn't until I came to social media until I realized that my voice may be necessary for our community. Um, I've been involved in activism since for as long as I can imagine, but I've always been behind the scenes. I've always been the speech writer. I've always been the poet. I've always been um, the research analysis. You know, even with ballroom, I'm the spectator. You know, so yeah, it 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 just feels really good to have my voice. It feels really good to have my voice heard and to also be learning from y'all, not just my co-hosts, you know, my my fellow hosts, but also the public, the people who watch us and listen to us, the listeners, you know. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more, see more. I'm excited to grow. Yeah, definitely uh, with you, Bree. I'm excited to grow. Excited to continue to grow. Um, I'm ex yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. It's just like, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, kind of like feeling more comfortable and just kind of finding my pace with the show. And I'm excited to continue to learn from each other. We love the feedback. Please give us more feedback so we can learn from you all. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I love I love I love the kind because there's love between us, y'all. So it's not like we just you know talking about it, you know, just to be talking about it. Like you know, like we mentioned earlier, like these are things, these are issues we are all experiencing in our lives um, or people around us in our lives. So yeah, there is an investment in what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm just excited just to like. Or the possibilities, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, of course, I echo everything y'all said. But another element that I want to, that I want for this coming year, I just want to introduce introduce y'all to more dope people that I know. There are so many people out here that are not celebrity, that are not, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that are not in activism. They're in other genres that are trans, that are doing amazing work. And I want it to, I just want to intro, introduce y'all to them. So I want to do more interviews, have more roundtable kind of discussions. I think it's yeah. easy when we have something in the lexicon of, you know, like culture happening, it's easy for me to round people up and get us to talk about it. Like we did with um, this year, we did with um, P-Valley, where I brought, you know, mm -hmm four people together for an episode and talked about the finale of P-Valley, which is one of, which has been one of my favorite episodes um, in recent years. I want to do that more often where we take something, where we bring people in and take, um, have a conversation. I think Brie on her platform, we were, um, we were talking, it was me, 
her um, and a couple of trans men. And we were just discussing, you know, uh, just a whole topic and it just went super, super well. And I think bringing other people in to discuss these issues is what I want to do more of just to, you know, of course the core, the core group is yeah, still going to be I the same, but be just dope. more, yeah. just introducing y'all to more people. And I've always been a person who loved to share my platform, but you know, you know, people who I respect and people who I um, think that they are brilliant in their own right. I just want to share more people like that, that I know and come across in community. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> but what has gotten me a truly addicted to social media is because I didn't realize that there was until TikTok, until building my own platform, I didn't realize that we were on social media like this. I didn't realize that our community was here. I didn't realize that we had built community in the internet like this. Like all of this seemed to pass me by, you know, when I was in my drugged out haze in the, in the streets, you know. Um, but I'm just glad to be a part. We're glad that you're here and not in a drugged out haze. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So thank y'all for supporting us year after year after year. And if you are yeah. new here, thank you for join, joining us. If you have been here from welcome. the beginning, welcome. <laughs> if you have been here yeah. from the beginning, thank you for sticking with us through um, all the changes and all the consistency and everything in between. Thank you for just always looking out for us and sharing us. If you have shared us, if you have told people about us, because I, I people hit me up and be like, "Oh, my coworker told put me on to y'all. My, um, my homegirl mm -hmm. put me. I love when y'all do that. Word of mouth is amazing, and I love. I just love to hear when I meet people. I remember I was in um, San Francisco and somebody walked up to me and asked me to take my picture, and I was like, and you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a regular person in my brain. And so when people do that, it kind of freaks me out because I'm not, I'm not, I, it's always random and I'm not prepared for it. And so I'm like, who is this person? Like, you guys in my brain goes into that kind of mode. But then she was like, I listen to the show all the time. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Because then, then I get excited because I know where this is from. It's not just some random person being weird. Right. Right. I definitely get it. I'll never mm -hmm. forget the first time somebody recognized me, um, you know, from a platform, from social media. And yeah, it's still even even to this day, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't I don't know how to respond, but I think I put on a good enough face. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Once you get past the hurdle of the awkwardness of it, wait, what's happening? It, and uh -huh. once she told me, I was like, oh, my God, thank you for listening. And she was so dope and so nice and so just 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 so nice and just cool. And I just I was just flattered by her doing that. And yeah, thank y'all. Just thank y'all. Thank you. Thank y'all. Yeah. So if you are new, tell us what's brought you here. Hashtag March's Plate. If you have been here for a while. Tell us why you stayed. Hashtag Matcha Spike. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my 
finger on the pulse of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> Alrighty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. This week, I want to discuss trans and cisgender sibling dynamics. Right? Now, I don't... I think y'all saw the interview. I sent y'all bits and pieces of the interview with Reggie Bullock and Cam Newton. And Reggie Mm -hmm. Bullock um, his sister Maya is a trans woman who was killed in Baltimore in 2016. Um, in the interview, Reggie admitted that his advocacy started from his trans sister's death. And Reggie also admitted that there were times when he was afraid or there were times that he, when he was insecure or ashamed of his trans sibling and, you know, didn't invite her to basketball games. He also admitted um, misgendering her and dead naming her even up until she passed. But in this interview with Cam Newton, it seems obvious to me and it appears obvious to me to Reggie's credit that he truly has learned. He's truly been somebody whose heart has opened up. Now, the fact that it took him it took for his sister to pass away for his heart to open up. Open up. That's a whole different story, but y'all know how niggas do. <laughs> so my question to y'all, how have your sis, and if you have, if you're a trans person, my question to y'all, being trans people, do y'all have any cis siblings? And how has that worked for y'all? How, how does that look for y'all? I'll say for myself, all my, oh, you said, all my siblings are cis. You know, I have pretty good relationships with them. I do have, I have one, I have one particular brother that it took a minute for him to kind of get it together. But for the most part, like, you talking about like after a transition or just like in general, like growing up and everything as well. Specifically for this conversation, how did your cis gender siblings handle your transition and you know where are your relationships today mm-hmm. well yeah i will say for the most part overall well but also that's like part of it is the proximity like they're my, most my siblings are quite a bit older and so like you know we just got different lives in many ways are you one of the youngest out of your family? i am i'm the youngest i'm the youngest ah I'm are you younger. are you the oops baby yes and it's weird because i I grew up around all my siblings i grew up around my siblings more or less at different points in times but particularly when i was younger and so later in life i was like living as if i was an only child because i'm my mom's only child so it was just a weird kind of thing but i still was around my siblings so just you know whatever different yeah i mean for the most part it was chill you know one of my sisters 
wanted me to come like talk about what it means to be a trans dude for one of her like lady party things that she was having and i was like it was real early in my transition and i got kind of defensive about it and being you know being like no nah. but she really genuinely was trying to like give a fuck you know and i had to apologize to her you know later you know uh kind of reflecting on just like you know i'm being hella reactionary <laughs> with you and not you know i mean granted you know very early in my transition but she wanted me to come to and also early in my medical transition, let me be clear, because I started transitioning socially before I medically transitioned. So this was early in my medical part of my transition. And so that's really what they think transitioning is, right? It's just the medical part. And it was like, I ain't really got shit to tell you. I started testosterone two days ago or some shit. You know what I mean? Like I haven't been on TV like, for like six months. You know what I mean? Like I, and I started with a really low dose. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I really had no significant changes to talk about at all you know what i'm saying yeah. um you know whatever and you know also i felt that was real evasive which i shared with her right like y'all want to ask questions about my body but that's wild a lot of trans people um especially from my generation y'all generation i think a lot of us have experienced being objectified by family members that was just one particular said like we just chill now but like for the most part like i'm very close with one of my sisters who used to be the baby you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? But it, it was a part by a number of years, but just like she's been really supportive. And I'm, you know, like some people, I've always kind of been in the energy that I'm in now. Like I haven't really, people who knew me before I transitioned medically are like, you are really basic, you're the same person with like facial hair, basically, right? So it's like, yes, there's growth for you as a human being, there's growth in your trip, you know, in your walk or what have you. But so in that case, in that situation, I, I always kind of thought of myself growing up as kind of a third gender or genderqueer. And so my siblings, for the most part, were like very um, supportive, you know what I'm saying, around my gender expression. Like they weren't really. Um, so this wasn't like a surprise to them. <laughs> OK. And I because of some tension uh, with my mom, I hadn't even come out to my family as like gay until like. I don't know, like three years before I started transitioning medically. So like, and I started, and I came out initially, it was like in the world, you know, in the nineties. So it was just like, you know, so when I first was like, I'm gay, they were like, yeah, girl, we knew that. And then I was like, I'm a dude. They're like, yeah, girl, we do that. I bet you're still gay. So I'm very grateful for that kind of casual, you know, casual situation with, with most of my siblings. Well, my brothers, it's a little bit different and they love on me. Um, one brother tried to like toughen me up a little bit, you know, with some tough love, because he's like, "No, you are a nigga, a nigga <laughs> like you out here," you know, because like I said, I'm in the same energy that I was in before I transitioned, and so it took me a second, regardless of how I identify, to really understand that I look like this in the world, and people are going to treat me a certain kind of way, particularly the police. I didn't grow up learning how to deal with the police. I didn't grow up learning all the things you need to know as a Black man or someone perceived as a Black man in the world. And so I'm very grateful, particularly to my eldest brother, this really just kind of being like, yo, shit is real, bro. Like, shit is real, you know? I, I told y'all, I said on the show at my point, about being held up by the police, you know, and dealing with them and 
you know, and when I talked to my brother right away about it, he was like, you could have died. I mean, like, what's your fucking problem? Like, this is how you have to handle these things. This are, these are the things. That's what I was wondering. I was, I was wondering if that dynamic changed. Yeah, you know, or just even, you know, just with, uh, I mean, because we're, there's a significant difference in age. Like, he's, I'm in my 40s, he's in the 60s or late 50s. So, you know, uh, so that's kind of like uncle range anyway, right? So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, he would, he would just, when I moved back home for a little bit, uh, you know, it was just some tough love, um, but love, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because I had to mature in a different kind of way to be able to survive. And that's what he was concerned about. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. And then I got a brother that he still sometimes be like, I'm gonna call you all name. I'm like, <laughs> but for the most part, it's chill. You know what I'm saying? So it, like nobody's like particularly playing in my face. And if they do, it's like just, just one brother sometimes. We had an event, it'd be for two seconds. And then he's like, Hey, Jonathan, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, hey, LJ, so, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I have two cisgender little brothers. I am the oldest in my family. And I am also kind of further apart than they are to each other. I am, um, I am, I am five, six years from my, um middle brother and like nine years from my um youngest brother yeah so I was a only child for a very very long time and it's ironic that um this is the subject this week because we just had um now that my mom has passed my my me and my youngest brother although we have been close he is getting, you know, he is becoming more reflective of his past. So we are having more deeper in-depth analyzations of our history together. Instead of us mm -hmm. just kind of talking about in general, we're having more in-depth and uh, nuanced conversations about how we perceive certain things that happen to us in our youth. And mm -hmm. so they have been very, very powerful conversations and how we engage with different people and how different people treated us. Like there's people who treated him so well and because of my queerness, they treated me so bad. And, mm -hmm. then, and then we flip it where there's a colorism issue where I'm the lightest of my siblings and we have we have people in our family that treated me so well because I was light complected and they were not and so it mm -hmm. is it's this these we could we can now as adults discuss these different these weird ass different things that happen in our life and so recently we were talking about um his friends and you know my youngest brother so I have two different experiences with my brother so my youngest brother because he was the one that I got custody of I transitioned when he was like four and five years old so it's very little of his life that he doesn't know diamond mm. so you get what I'm saying he knew when he was young that I was his older brother but then I transitioned when he was young so he doesn't really know too much like he doesn't know me as a brother in that sense he just I've always been the queer <laughs> entity in his life and so diamond mm -hmm. has always been mo majority of his life I've been diamond and he because he was so young 
he just went with it. He just right. it, it wasn't any kind of resistance. Now, yeah. right, that was the younger one. Now the middle one that was more of a harder transition, as as y'all know, who's who have been listening. I, you know, we were estranged for a very, very long time where we didn't talk for 10 plus years. And oh. so, um, well, around eight. Um, and it wasn't until my mom passed away and we were forced because of that situation to actually talk and get through our shit um, that we actually talked. So there was an incident where he had got locked up for some crazy ass shit and he wrote a letter to me saying um it was like a one-page letter and the first half of the letter was basically just to make a long story short him saying that he will never accept me as diamond he will never accept me being a woman he will never accept me and then oh, the wow. other half in the other half of the letter is him asking me to send him money on his commissary books because we still family <laughs> so this is all in one letter and so, of course, I did not respond to the letter. And, uh, and from that moment on, I didn't talk to him. And he would, he had got out of, got out of jail and, and text me, had a new number and text me was like, why don't you, why are you, why are you ignoring me? I'm still family. He did not understand the concept that you don't get to have me part of me and not take the whole and you don't get to engage with me in a way that's disrespectful and I still be a part of your life that's not how this worked with me and so you know he did not understand that he it felt like he just it just was not registering to his brain and we can't even get to talk about it because you can't even acknowledge my right. my name you can't even acknowledge my pronouns right you can't even acknowledge the basic stuff so we couldn't even get to talking through <laughs> our issues because i can't even come into this conversation without the disrespect mm. and i and at this and you know by by this point in my life um not this one but back then um it i didn't give people room like when i was younger in my teens yes i you know the the dead naming and the mixing up pronouns. Yes, in my earlier part of my transition, I gave people tons of space, three, four, five years to figure those things out and 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 make mistakes without me cussing you out. But by this time, I'm in my 30s. No, <laughs> it's just I'm not. It, it's if you haven't got it to this point, it's because you're not trying to get it. And no, and I'm not, and I'm somebody who cannot deal with that because it's disrespectful to me. It is, it's, it's playing in my face and I'm not somebody who can deal with that on a regular basis, even if it's just a little bit, just, oh, I only see you once a year. No, if you can't mm -hmm. respect me, I'm not going to be around you. I'm not going to engage with you. And also mm -hmm. as my brother, I feel like I'm a dope ass sibling who is always in my friends, my family's corner when they need me more so than anybody else. And so being that that's the case, you don't get the benefit of me if you can't deal with this other stuff. Mm -hmm. If you can't, uh, that's just what it is. And so that's how we, how we have engaged for years until my mom passed. And um, once my mom passed and we were forced, and I was totally ready just to bring you in for the funeral and then we'd be done again, just be done. But he came humbly, respecting my name, respecting my pronouns and apologizing and telling me that, yo, look, I want you in my life. So what do I need to do to figure this out? And I accepted his apology and we 
broke through the barrier. So one of the elements of what he said was he felt like I wanted him to forget all of the good memories that he remembers me being his big brother. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. like, he said, I, I thought you wanted me to erase that part of my memory and not acknowledge it. And I was Ooh. like, no, I am somebody who do not think that that part of my life was a fluke. I am somebody who respects that part of my life. I am a trans woman. That's a part of my transness. I'm not a cis woman. I don't want you to erase and think I'm cis. I want you to acknowledge that this is the type of woman I am. That's the path that I came from. I am okay with my little brother having memories of his big brother taking him fishing, of his big brother taking him to the basketball court. And also, and although I didn't go to the basketball court and shoot basketball with you, I was sitting in my cute ass clothes in the bleachers. I took you to the <laughs> court. <laughs> right, right, I took you right, to the court for right. you to play basketball, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want you to remember me as the big brother that fought multiple dudes to defend you because mm-hmm. you are my little brother and ain't nobody going to be bullying you like they bullied me. And now that I'm older, you're not going to go through the same things that I went through. I am protective of you like just like I am now because that's who, who I want to be. I want you to remember those moments. I, I don't mind that. That is who I was. That is the name you remember, everything about me, that is who I was at the time. And I do not mind you remembering that, acknowledging that, appreciate that. But I am a whole different person. That was when I was six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten. however that goes. Yes, love it, appreciate it, remember it. But I have transitioned to the woman that I am now. And I want you to appreciate that. Just acknowledge who I am now. And yeah, still love me, still treat me however you're going to treat me um, um, with respect. I don't mind that. I know you're not going to call me that old name, (laughs) but you talking about, remember when we caught that snapping turtle when you was da 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 da, yes, I remember that stuff. I do, and I love it. That's a part of the joy of me having a little brother, and I appreciate it. But that don't mean that forty year old Diamond wants you to call me my old name, or that you have to not respect who I am now by reminiscing on what I was back then. Let me tell you about the young one. Now that we the the, the young one, we did have to go through a um a process that I kind of want to talk about. That's important in this space. We didn't have any issues as far as the transition, like him, you know, not saying my right name, not using the right pronoun. None of that was an issue. But the world kind of brought some toxic shit into our life that had that we had to kind of reconcile and navigate. So both of my little brothers, because I was the only child for a long time, by the time my little brothers come, by the time my middle brother come and my little brothers come, I'm in the space where I kind of want to be off and under my mama. So I never had the mindset of, oh, my little baby is coming and they're going to take attention away from me. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes when yeah. you when you stair step or when, like when you write behind each other, sometimes yeah. that vibe of, 
oh, they're going to take attention away from me. I was already running the streets and going to ride my bike and, and just doing fun stuff as a little kid by the time my brothers come. So I didn't have, there wasn't any moment of, I felt like they're taking attention away from me. That my, my, my mama is focused on the baby and not focused on me. My mother, <laughs> my mother, this is how my mother was so, I want to say weird, but uh, protective in, in that sense. She would, I told her I didn't want her to walk me to school no more because, child, none of the big kids are walking their people, none of their mamas walking them to school. Let me walk to school by myself. Now, my school is only like two, three blocks away. I'm like, we, and we got a crosswalk person. Let me walk to school by myself. My crazy ass mama. She she said, okay, I'll let you walk to school by yourself. But she really didn't. She, <laughs> she, let me, she let me go down the main street to go, yeah. but she is walking down the alley. In Indianapolis, there's a lot of alleys. Mm -hmm. And so she's walking with me yeah, down the alley, <laughs> all the way down the alley where she can still see me and I can still see her. <laughs> All the way down to the middle of the street, we laughed when she was alive. She we laughed about that, and she, you know, she just was that type of person that couldn't get me off and under her, even though I wanted to be a free little boy doing my stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, so what? When I by the time my brothers come, I'm already in that mode. So they, I wanted her to go deal with a baby child, but there was also a part of me because in my brain. I, I associated with a little girl and wanted to enjoy some of the little stuff. These were my little baby dolls. No, I couldn't do that hair with my youngest brother. He had hair, so I could do his hair. I could braid. I couldn't do it with the little bobbies, the little uh, barrettes and stuff. Like I could do, you know, the dolls. But I could, you know, because I knew how to braid. I knew how to do hair. I, I, the, I treated these babies like my baby dolls. So they were... And how my mother introduced them to me was really, really powerful too. So it was, this wasn't just her baby. This was our baby. Because my, my mother is a single mama with a bunch of deadbeat daddies. <laughs> so baby that deadbeat, only one good one. But um, he was barely good. But anyway, so she was like, this is, this is, we don't do that half sibling shit. This is your baby, just like it's my baby. and. A part of that was the utility of, honey, when you when you smell a, a dirty diaper, change it. <laughs> it was that was part of it, but also just instilling in me that this is your brother. This is this is your responsibility as much as it is mine. So we have to protect them. We have to take care of them. We got to feed them. We got to change their diaper. And so there was a level of. Ooh, this is my baby too. And so I was infatuated with my brothers, just taking care of them and them smelling like babies and them like just, I love this. Even to this day, I love the smell of babies. And so just having this vibe of I'm, some, I'm their caretaker, I'm their protector. It was instilled in me from a very, very young age. So my youngest brother, when we went to Mississippi, um, by the time we go to Mississippi and live there, I am 18, 19 years old. He's in the fifth grade, I think. And so when I come to this small town, which is Walnut Grove, Mississippi, 
they don't know nothing about trans shit. And so when I come in this small ass town and they get to hearing about the drag queen, the the man dressed like a woman, however they want to call me at the time, it mm-hmm. starts spreading around the town really, really fast. People were coming to my mom's house just to see what I look like just because they heard about me coming. Wow. They They know her in a sense of they know they're connected to her, but they wouldn't normally come to her house if this wasn't the case. So they would try to sneak and, hey, come in and talk to her because they're country. So it's like, you know, that's kind of normal for them to come and say, hey. And so, Mm. but you can tell that their intention was to come to see me because they would specifically ask my mom, where are your other children at? I heard that you got your new, your oldest child had come down from Indiana and you know, they just being messy and trying to see me mm-hmm. and I would stay in the room <laughs> just so they wouldn't <laughs> see me just to be annoying or they would see me at the grocery store and you can hear it whispering and it just was this whole little, this whole little thing. And so mm-hmm. it went back to my brother's school. And the kids, the you, the kids, because kids are assholes at this time, they they use that as as a way to tease him and mm-hmm. use that as a way to bully him. So he would come home with this attitude about me, like mm-hmm. really um mad and very, you know, that person. So once we got down to the um down to the core of it, I realized that he was getting bullied behind behind me. And I felt so bad because this is my life. You can bully me and wear me out, but he ain't got nothing. He's a kid right. and he ain't got nothing to do with me. Right. Right. And so I said, I said, oh my God, like I, I feel so bad for him, but what do I do? Like I didn't, right. I didn't know what to do. This is who I am. This is, I'm not about to detransition because some fucking fifth right. graders are teasing you. <laughs> And so I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, but I felt so bad because I know how it feels to be bullied. And so I'm like, oh my God, this is something that's not even having to do with him. That's not, it just felt horrible. And so, but I had to suck it up. And I told him, I I, I had to suck it up. And I was like, look, I can't live my life for them or you. I have to do me. Because I, I I didn't have the maturity. I was fucking 18, 19. But so I went in a more selfish direction in, what, in the way that I talked to him in the sense of this is my life. I can't live my life for some fucking fifth graders. I can't live my life for you. This is my life. And I'm sorry that they're bullying you. If you want me to come to the school and help you throw sand in their eyes while you kick their ass, I'll do that. <laughs> but whatever you want me to do, but I'm not detransitioning. I'm not stopping what I'm doing just because it make your life comfortable. This comes, I'm sorry, but this comes with having a trans sibling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my brother, late years later, would tell me that while he was angry at the time because he was a kid, as he got older, he realized that that was some bullshit because ain't nobody in my corner like Diamond. No matter what, no matter what happens in my life, when my mother go on her drug binges, when my grandmother is on her drug binges, when my father is not there at all, when there is nobody there, there in my life, Diamond is my anchor. Diamond is the one that I can come to and cry. Diamond is the one who, when I get married, that's going to show up that nobody else did. When any graduation, any important event, Diamond is the one that's there. Mm -hmm. When I'm sick and in the hospital, she's going to 
to cut cut everything to come what to me and take care of me. This mm. is my person. This is my anchor. And so I fucked everybody else. And that's and once I once he expressed that to me, I said, and that's my that was my point too. I know I said it selfishly <laughs> when I was 18, but now that I'm older, I can explain it a little bit more in depth. That is what I wanted you to realize. Ain't nobody gonna be there for you. I I know from experience because I was a motherfucker who wasn't nobody there for me. Uh-huh. I'm going to be the core person in your life for the rest of your life, buddy. <laughs> for the rest of your life, I am going to be the core person in your mm-hmm. life that's going to be there thick and thin. And that's what it is. And that this bullshit motherfucker is making you feel bad about me. Tell them to suck your dick and suck mine too. So, <laughs> because this is how it is. And once he got that realization, our relationship just skyrocketed to to just you know to what it is today and so yeah that's just what i have experienced with my siblings my middle one we just got to the point where we're we're good and we we much much better but the younger one we have been through the thick and thin and we've gotten to a much much better place um well it never was a bad place but we've gotten a much more deeper place to where my brother tells me everything tells me everything He's in my corner. He defends me. And even his own friends, like his friends talk about me in a such a positive way. And um, even them, like they talk about amongst each other. These are cishet men talk about, I always forget Diamond is trans. Like they'll have these conversations <laughs> about transness and they'll forget because they've, you know, they've grown up around me and learn a respect of trans people that permeates within their in their normal lives and i just i just appreciate him and his friends and just everybody it's just so good i am of my biological siblings i am the eldest um i have two sisters and a brother all cisgender everybody who i'm going to discuss is cisgender i'm the only trans visibly trans person in my family um my brother is my mother's son. Um, he was, I can relate to all of y'all dynamics because he was for me like our baby as far as the sibling dynamic. It was supposed to be like, this is our baby, but I really never had to change any diapers or do anything. I always did it because I forced my mom to let me do it um, because she was a stay-at-home mom and she really enjoyed mothering him. Um so yeah, there was a little bit of a, we're eight years apart, but there was a little bit of a jealousy dynamic, but that's specifically because of the relationship that I had with my mom. My relationship with my mom had been strained already my entire childhood. Um, I was scared that my brother was going to take the little bit of my mom that I had away from me, but overall, he ended up making us making us a lot closer. But it was the opposite for me. I was mad that my little brother was a boy. And then from like, like two years old, you could tell that he was going to be a, sh- and then I was holding out hope. I was like, oh, maybe he's going to be a, a queer boy. You know, we might even get a full-blown tiger. You know, I might not even be the biggest one in the family. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honey, by the age of two, you knew that he was going to be, if not cisgender, then very cis, assuming very heteronormative. Honey, he was very much the trucks the little boy with the trucks and I was very much the little boy with the dog. I'm telling you, it it was it was a clash. It was a clash um for a long mm. time. 
but with the age difference, it wasn't long before, like Diamond said, I was trying to get out the house and I was trying to get my mother to focus on him and not pay me no mind. And then, you know, there was a period where my mother rediscovered her youth and rediscovered life, honey, and I became the babysitter or whatever. So, um, like I said, overall, the relationship um, with my mom got closer because of him. But my relationship was strained with him um, right around the time that I transitioned because I isolated from my family. I isolated, yeah, isolated from my family during that period. You know, I had a period of my life where I isolated from my family. That's my biggest issue that I have with all of my loved ones. They hate the fact that I isolate um, whenever I'm going through something or processing something. And he was upset with me, I think, a bit for transitioning um, based on conversations we had. I think he was upset with me for not only transitioning and feeling like I was killing his big brother, but also transitioning in the sense that it was a secret from him. It wasn't something that he was, it wasn't something that he was part of. Because, you know, um, we've had this discussion on here before and I've said that I've been seen in a lot of ways as the exceptional tranny, but I also was seen as the exceptional Negro before I was seen as the exceptional witch queen. You know, um, my little brother's fashion sense he got from me, we were really close when he started becoming a teenager, but when I transitioned, I disappeared. Our relation, long story short, our relationship is extremely repaired now from where it was. It's always a force in recovery. I definitely want to get a lot closer with him. I see room for improvement. Um, love my little brother down. He is just getting to the point where he is not misgendering me or anything at all. Um, but like I said, I've just not long ago taken the initiative to have those conversations. And that's been in probably like the past four or five years. Um, my sister, they, we did not grow up in the household together. Um, that's the strangest sibling dynamic I have because, you know, my, my father married their mom and I was his first kid that he had when he was a child, when he was a teenager. You know, um, my mom and dad had nothing in common. Their lives weren't in common at all. Um, one of the reasons that they didn't get married was because they disagreed in how and how to raise me. My biological father grew up very religious, um, very traditional, very conservative black, very respectability politics, very pull your pants up, all of those things. How mm -hmm. My father's family also has a history of mental illness to the point that people are hospitalized, honey, American Horror Story, season two, asylum, honey. It's like family gatherings on that side. Love y'all. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to the Brown and the Annals family. We have You're a Brown, you bad? Yeah, I got tons of Browns in my family. I yeah. bet you we connected. I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, you know, they've been trying to connect us since the first time they realized I was online. Like, Diamond is your mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so my relationship with them has always been more of like a distant relative relationship. Um, I've been working on our relationship. We've been working on our relationship. 
Um, I have a huge initiative to do that. Um, my sister just recently married her wife um, and we have some family dynamics going on that I don't want to discuss because it ain't my business, but it's room for growth there too. My final sibling um, group is honestly my mother and her sibling. My mother had me as a teenager when she was in high school. I've said this before on my platforms. Um, you know, I grew up, she was the eldest of her siblings. I grew up essentially with her and her siblings. Um, and my grandmother was, has more so been a maternal figure for me and me and my mother more so have like a sibling dynamic. And I have a sibling dynamic with her siblings as well. Um, my uncle and my aunt. Um, mm -hmm. My uncle was straight up, all, all three of them had gotten kahoot um, behind my back and they were basically like, um, because I didn't talk about being trans. I never really came out as gay either. They, they did that to force me to come out as gay as well. But they forced me out as trans. I was already visibly trans. I just had never had the conversation with them. And um, yeah, they were like, so are you going to come out to us or what? Like, what's, what's happening? Are you, you know, like, like what's going on? You telling everybody else you're a woman, but you ain't never told us you're a woman. So we ended up having the conversation. Like I said, it was them against me. And they were basically like, you know, in order for us to respect your pronouns and respect your name, you have to change it all. It's legal in Maryland. We're aware of the process. Da -da 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 -da. We'll help you do it. But in order for us to oh, wow. respect you as a woman, we need to see you make some steps that we can understand that you're serious about womanhood because my family thought it was a phase. Mm -hmm. So they, they just wanted some proof or whatever. Um, I, I gave, for a long time, I was very confused about my own transition. I've admitted this because I never had bottom dysphoria. I thought that you had to have bottom dysphoria to be trans. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have bottom dysphoria. I was confused. My family knew I was confused. So when we did have that conversation, it was like, look, if we have to transition, then we need to see you doing something. Because for me, the social transition is very easy. I was I appear very feminine pre-transition. So I really just threw on a wig and passed. And uh, but it was like, yeah, we know the parents thing. It ain't nothing for you. We need to see you do something else. And they all knew that I had no interest in um, having bottom surgery or anything like that. So once I had my legal transition, my whole family hopped on board and they helped me well. with my legal transition. So that's my story. But for everybody out there, for all the listeners, if you are trans and you have cisgender siblings, if you are a cisgender listener and you have trans siblings, let us know. How does that work? How does that look for you? What does that love look like? What does that story sound like? Let us know. If post pictures, honey, comments, honey, rhetoric, hashtag Marsha's Plate. When it comes to siblings, how important is that relationship as adults? Because, um, I see people kind of steer and take the transness out of it. I mm -hmm. see some very, very close siblings. And then I see some siblings that kind of just went their own way. And it wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily some trauma. It's just that, oh, we just don't have 
um, uh, similar personalities. We don't have similar interests. And so we kind of go their own way. So I know me personally in my situation with my brothers, the normal tradition was to go wherever my mom was in the country. We would, during the holidays, we would go and be with Mm -hmm. her. So wherever she was, that's where we would go. So we knew we would meet up December, Thanksgiving, something and have a Thanksgiving dinner or holiday dinner. That was a normal tradition. So if she was in Indianapolis, if she was in Louisiana, wherever we, Mississippi, wherever we was. But now that she passed away and my grandmother passed away in 2014, we don't have that kind of core Mm -hmm. home base to go. And so Mm -hmm. when the next year they were inviting me to their home, because they now have their own home, their families, their their baby mamas and wives, and you know that that they're together with with their children, and so they're have they're starting to grow and build their own traditions, and mm-hmm. I actively made a decision not to be a part of it, not because of I want to make my own tradition now, like what what I have what I have created was I during the holidays. I have made, I'm dedicated to myself that I am going to travel. I'm going to, since this is the time that most of us are free off of work and blah, 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 blah. If you're lucky, I'm going to travel during that time. I'm going to take the time for me and travel and do, do something in regards to traveling. I'm not going to use it to kind of start building these kind of go back to my brother's family situation. one of the reasons is that um, I just, I don't feel the need for it. Like I want us to do things together as siblings. I want to do, I do like, I want to travel with my brother when we have, when we have the chance, Um, blah, 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 blah. blah. But that whole little building of like a holiday tradition, I don't actually want to be a part of that. I want your, um, you to do that with your own family. And so I guess my question is how, how do y'all, how important is that? Is that important or is not important to y'all? Do they all have families of their own? Or are they all like married with kids? Well, one is not married, but he's with his baby mama who has both of his children. So they're together in relationship, but they're not married. Um, And then the other one is married with two children. So both of them have live in two children. One of them have four children all together. But the other two, his oldest two does not live with him. But his youngest two is with him and his wife. And so they have a house in Fishers, Indiana, you know. And so they're starting their own tradition. And then my youngest one, he has two sons by the same woman. And they're in a relationship together. And they're trying to, they're not married, but they're trying to, you know, they live around each other and they're trying to build something. That's a whole other, their own personal conversation. But, <laughs> but you know, they're trying to figure that kind of situation out. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so that's their situation. And so they're creating traditions. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, for me to answer your question, um, it is very important, but it's one of the biggest things that I struggle with. For a long time, I wanted um, the big, huge family under one roof. I think a part of me still does. I just imagine it. I just imagine it different or see it different um, than the more traditional aspects I imagined before of being married with kids. Um, nowadays, I I do feel I'm I grew up with that house full of people. I grew up with the full house, you know. Um, 
I love that dynamic. I love that aspect. But as I've gotten older, I've also found a comfort because I've had to adjust to being on my own because I was the family member that moved to the city. I was the first person to openly transition in my hometown where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Transition. Mm -hmm. Um. So I didn't. I never felt like it was really possible for me to exist there. Now. I see it being possible and now I want it. I want it back. I feel like it's most important. I feel like I've been looking for those relationships and other people and in other ways. And I've been one of those people who's fortunate enough not to have to. I have a huge family and we are all still very close. I'm the one that's a bit out of the loop, but they're always trying to pull me back in. They're always trying to reel me back in the loop. You know, they, they never let me go too far. Um, so, yeah, so it's very important for me to reconnect with my family because I, one of the main reasons I think it is for me is because I don't see myself having children, especially not biological children, especially not raising anybody from birth. Um, so I do, I am very close to the babies in my family and I do want to cement those relationships um, with this new generation coming up with my family and I'm just a you know a family oriented girl in a lot of ways I'm still a country girl in a lot of ways I I miss that life I miss I miss the simple life I think that we we had a stretch where we just like like we lost recently we lost like a generation in my family it's like that and so like my 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 mom's all her siblings that that my grandparents kids they're all they all passed away at this point, um, I'm the last person uh, passed in 2017. And so even though there were two other there were mm, there were two other siblings who had passed earlier, um, one is not a sibling, but was raised as a sibling, similar like you mentioned, Brie. So the well, it was like 2013, between 2013 and 2017, the last three passed away. Mm-hmm. And so on on that particular side of my family and they were very entrenched in kind of uh and a tradition you know we used to gather christmas eve and you know certain set of songs and the kids do their thing you know it's very structured formal thing that was happening what i learned in my family for over 50 years on that side of my family you know um and so they did a christmas eve because people got their own thing going on christmas day and so uh, um, we don't do it anymore in the same way because, like, the yeah, last set of folks died, people moved, um, you know. Um, and so that, that's, that side of my family is kind of restructuring what holidays looks like for that component. And then, but usually for me growing up, it was like, and really up until recently, um, it was like Christmas Eve, we did the thing on my mom's side. Christmas Day, I go see my grandma. I go see my godmama, and then I go see my my mom, Mary, my siblings, right? And that's where that's really like like my sibling side of my family is the side of my it's home. That's home base for me, right? Like it's it's organic. I never had to put on my mom's side of the family. I didn't really outside of some holiday stuff. It was I was a little older, probably like twelve or so, where. You know, my mom started being like, "Well, you know, I want you, you know, don't do these things around." Like, I never had that on with my sibling side. Like, that's just home. That is home, right? Like, there is no uh, expectation outside being yourself. And in that side of my family too, they just very cultivate 
the energy of we protect the kids. You know what I'm saying? I, there's other queer folks, in, you know, in the family that, you know, or other folks who are gender diverse in their expression, right? And they don't fuck around with that shit, period. Like, if you got some shit to say, no, 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 no. What, what do you have to say? <laughs> if she want to wear some sneakers and, you know, you know, whatever, that's what she, that's what she gonna wear. What the fuck you gonna do? Um, and so, but my that side of my family is from is city. They from Chicago, right? That's my dad's side, my siblings side. My mom's side is more towny, so like you know, they're they you know small town kind of energy um, on that side. So that also whatever. That's not even what we're talking about. Talking about holidays, but influences all of this stuff though. But yeah, they really. Yeah, so for me, yeah, it's important to like, you know, if I'm, if I'm, and I recently just moved, so I was like, that's a whole different conversation. So I don't even, I'm not in a position to always go back during the holidays because y'all have been to the West Coast, you know, it's far. And so, like, unless you're going somewhere else on the West Coast, like, it's like a whole thing to like get yeah, down. Yeah, definitely a lot more spread out than I am over yeah. the East Coast. I can vouch for that, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why things spread so easily over here between D.C. and New York. It's really not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the Midwest. And it's like, so, but like on my mom's side, having it be like her, all her siblings, all of them passed away at this point. And so, you know, the all their kids, like, it's not many of us. There's actually more uh, folks under us <laughs> than my generation <laughs> or the uh, the grandkids, right? And so um, in terms of, like, keeping the tradition to go back home, if I'm at home during the holidays, my grandmother passed away, right? So, like, I'm going to be in, like, one place. The, the, the There's not as many places to go. There's not as many places to stay, like, because at this point, I don't live in the area anymore. So the incentive, the cost, and all that kind of stuff. It's just like kind of hard to to gauge now. I guess I'm in a transitional place when it comes to holidays and things because, yeah, because of that. Is it, uh, I don't know. Also, because I have brothers, there's a weird dynamic about it too because, because they're a boy and the husband their children's mother and her mother and parents are the one that kind of sees the baby all the time because they're boys. And so it'd be different if I had, like if it was girls, because they would be connected to my mom, my mom would be their grandmother, I would be, it would be a different thing because girls, it almost is like bringing, they're bringing their own traditions into their own home because this is their house. And so they, it doesn't wife. feel like my family home. It feels like, yes, my they're brother is there, there yeah. but if my, yes, my brother is there, but all they people is coming. It ain't my people. It yeah. just, I don't know. It feels kind of weird since they're boys. There's a dynamic to that. that yeah, um, it's definitely a thing with the cis hits. Definitely a thing where the wife's family um, tends to, um, integrate more, you know, yeah, because husband, that's a mom. The husband tends to become p- more a part of the wife's family, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to traditions like holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. I get it, but that's another reason why I didn't want to um, make it a consistent participation. Yes, I want to mm-hmm. participate, but I just want to participate in another kind of way. Like I want mm-hmm. us 
it not necessarily be holidays. Like, for example, my brother went to Cancun for his birthday. And so in that moment, I was like, oh, I can get to Cancun. And you bringing the kids too? So yes, we go to Cancun together. So now the family is there, um, you know, enjoying the kids and in a swim pool. I get to have those moments and those are moments I want to participate. But when it comes to like holiday traditions, that's just something about that I'm just not, I don't want to invest in. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to invest in my sibling's life in that kind of way. Um, can, I, can I ask the question? Uh-huh. Do you, is, do you think it, is it a region? Do you think it'd be different if you were like closer regionally? Yeah. Because for me, it's a big part of it. Like the reason we were able to do what we did and get down is like everybody lived in the same city. <laughs> like, yeah. it, like, you know, you know, like I think I'd be more about the investment. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a different kind of investment if you were closer. Yeah, I think I'll be more tempted to go participate, even mm-hmm. though the awkwardness still wouldn't change. I still feel awkward. I feel mm-hmm. awkward when I'm in the space. It's not in like negative. It's not right. negative, but it's just like, yeah. oh, okay. Like even some of the conversations, like um, bringing up our own personal memories about holidays in the midst of people who don't really know our history, it feels mm-hmm. very weird and strange. It feels like, oh, that we only get the, it's only us getting these jokes, me and you, not the rest of these people in this space. <laughs> it, it, there's some awkwardness to it, but um, yeah, I think if I was closer, maybe it would be more, um, more I'd be more tempted to kind of do it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's 100. I want yes, the connection is important. I want to be I want the I want my siblings and and my siblings children to know that I exist in the sense of, you know, if they if mm-hmm. I, that I'm their auntie da, 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 da. but um I think it's important for me I'm I'm learning how to navigate how to navigate creating those kind of family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Me, I'm learning how to maintain them. My family is different than a lot of the the families I know, um, especially Black families. Um, and I'm sure a lot of it is because of where they live and how they've all become content in a simple small town life. Um, and I think another, so I think other things are like my, like how Diamond was talking about the dynamic with the men and the husbands typically transitioning into the wife's family. Um, mm-hmm. My family, the maternal energy, the feminine energy is so strong and it's so primal that um, even with the boys, even in situations like that, like my brother's girlfriend has kind of been forced into my family. You know? Oh, gotcha. It's, it's, it's a thing where like, Mm-hmm. And I do it too. Like as soon as we see that, you know, a woman is coming in, a female partner is coming in, um, whether that's a cis hat or a queer dynamic, mm-hmm. we're gonna try and pull them in. And it's been one of those things where honestly, anytime I've dated somebody and they didn't get along with my family or didn't want to give them a chance, they usually turned out to be somebody who wasn't good for me at all. I also in my brain, I it's I just have shifted my politics around family, you know, and kind of shifted from the idea that blood is thicker than water, even though that's not what the actual 
scripture is, is the blood of the covenant is thicker water, which is actually how I really live my life for real, for real. So my chosen family, I have, I have invest, I feel like I get more investment out of investing in my chosen family. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Not that, you know, my blood family, there's some of them that are just as important in my life and I right. adjust accordingly, but care when it comes to support and care for diamond as a whole being um yeah i my return on investment have been much much higher now that i have shifted some not all of my energy into investing cultivating relationships in my chosen family that has Mm -hmm. it just has a much much more care and supportive return on investment and I think that's another reason why it's easy for, other than the distance, that it's easy for me to make these type of decisions because my chosen family is so great in, in, in making me feel welcome. Not that my blood family don't make me feel welcome. I don't want to say that at all. But mm-hmm. but my chosen it's family, different. it's, it's different. Yeah. It's my whole being. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about coming to my chosen family and have to teach trans one-on-one I do have mm-hmm. to worry about that in my um, blood relatives family because I'm coming to a space where their people is there and I, I gotta teach and, and answer answer questions about transness and and you know I mean I think I, and oh. that and that's part of the dynamic I was talking about that's different with my family um I was involved in advocacy because of my family my family was I didn't know that there was anything other than pro-black. I didn't realize that there were so many internally racist niggas that because my family was always so pro-black. Um, so I learned advocacy from my family. Um, when I came out as gay, um, they advocated with me, they learned with me, and they forced me to teach them as they forced me to come out and forcing me to come out as trans as well. Part of that was forcing me to educate them. We want to know what this is. Like I was saying with my little brother specifically, um, we want to be part of this journey. We don't want this to be something you're doing without us. Mm. You know, so I think I think I've just been really fortunate in my family. Um, we are fortunate in that way. My family's very diverse. I am the only, like I said, visibly trans, but I'm not the only queer on either side of my family. I'm not the only person who deals with mental health issues. My family is um, uh, ethnically diverse, um, religiously diverse. um, And in that, there are people in my family who, you know, aren't religious at all, me being one. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. And that's why I feel bad. And I've had this internal fight um with distancing myself from my family because based on other family dynamics I see especially professionally I know that I'm blessed I know I realize that it's one of the gifts that I've been given there's no need for me to fight for other relationships I do love having queer I do love having a chosen family I do love having um, a queer family and some of these feelings might be specific to right now because right now I'm currently going through a breakup with um, a huge part of my chosen family um, if not the biggest bulk of it is, itself the chosen family that I have we all met um, when I first ran away and came to Baltimore um, we met they were already established and immediately in meeting me 
for whatever reason, people say I just fit in in, in the city and they felt like I fit in with them and I did. And um, we met so young as teenagers that a portion of us transitioned, we transitioned in various ways. Donna, you transitioned really young. I, my chosen family was established before a lot of it, most of it, before I transitioned socially or medically, similar to you. Right. And so, you know, over the years in my transit, and then also having people within that group who do LGBT advocacy work or do da 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 da, but yeah. still, it don't always necessarily translate into you. Mm-hmm. How are you interacting with me, okay, as a trans person, right? Mm-hmm. Or like believing what I have to say about my lived experience. And it gets hard when it's people that like are like no stats, data, and in the work, and the die. Mm-hmm. And can't really see how that translates into like real life. Like, how the heck I'm in a friendship and community with and chosen family with, but in community <laughs> with it, folks that like do this kind of work. But like, because early in my transition, I started to meet more. I mean, I knew other trans people, other trans men, black trans men, very mm-hmm. few. Um, but just because I was already kind of around this kind of work, that was my point of entry to knowing other people because they were already doing something in the community to support mm-hmm. trans people. There's been an evolution with transition, particularly medically transition for me, where, you know, there's a whole different set of relationships and chosen family that I've been able to cultivate since medically transitioning, mm-hmm. you know? Cause even though I socially transitioned and I had very great chosen family and community that respected my pronouns and were like super, you know, supportive and all this kind of stuff, I wasn't medically transitioning. So how I was received in the world wasn't drastically different. You know what I'm saying? Like the way I look now is not how I look then. And so, you know, or the way I look now is not how I look when I even first moved to Seattle. Okay. And so um it's a hell of a drug, testosterone. <laughs> but like, you know, it I'm grateful for the new chosen family that I've been able to develop since transitioning through different opportunities, through different conferences, different different social media spaces, or, you know, you know, I was in, you know, message boards and Yahoo groups early, you know, back then. But to see, um, anyway, but it's just like that changed the game, right? Because like where my chosen family, my cisgender chosen family within the queer community, it's so you're going to drop, okay. I was able to develop other relationships and support and not spend spin wheels with with people you know what i mean make have have a little bit more agency about it gave me more agency with them as i developed more chosen family amongst other black trans people and that's been that changed the whole game because most of us are hella isolated right without newer things that we've had over the last developments over the last 10 years it's allowed us to connect in ways that we weren't able to connect before um and that just that just that just changed the game because those are that's a different authenticity to those relationships um off the bat that doesn't require explaining i'm very grateful that, for that um not everybody gets to gets to um experience like finding community multiple times in that way like i was a baby 18 19 years old coming out of a situation where it's like, I could not be gay around certain people. I had to hide and I was like, I ain't going back to that. I'm just gonna go there when I need to go there, go holiday, da 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 
And then all of a sudden it's like this whole new world. Oh yeah, you can be out and be black and be gay and be a lesbian and be this and that. I'm like, the fuck is this? Right? Oh, and oh yeah, you could also do this for work, but not just work. We ain't gonna let you be lazy with the work. No, you don't have to show us the work, okay? And we're gonna train you and we're gonna make these investments. And there was a different type of pipeline set up that does not exist today in the same kind of way because you had more grassroots stuff going on versus like more advocacy, just, you know what I mean? That was a component that's not here anymore in the same kind of way. The grassroots part, like campaigns and things, not um, ex exclusively advocacy, direct services, education, right? And self-help. And so I, I'm just saying, I'm just very blessed to like be able to, like, I didn't know what that was gonna mean. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I had experienced that so young, to come into community and go, wow, oh my God, oh my God. Like all of a lot of feelings that people feel now with BTAC and other spaces, I had those experiences as like a LGBT, as a queer student of color and being in the, where it's a black student, being the National African-American Student Caucus, you know, Black Student Caucus. Most of us went to predominantly white schools. So that was like everything, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to be in these spaces and call black, of black lesbian friendships that I've cultivated from 18, 19 years old. And then it's like, oh, you're a dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it just, it, 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 it's like, I'm just grateful for the, for the reset, but also it made me reflect on how much I was kind of checked out during that time too, because I wasn't fully present. You know what I'm saying? I just was kind of there. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of those relationships because I see them, you know what I mean? And I saw them when I was in college. Um, and I saw I was part of a group, but I didn't really and never fully became my chosen family, more so became my professional family, my professional trans family. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it's just because, you know, I was the dark spot. I was the token Negro, you know what I mean? And not on purpose. There were other people of color, but there were just not other people of my color. Um, mm -hmm. And so I didn't know how to navigate that. And I didn't have anybody else to bring in that circle. So it never felt like family to me, but I always saw their family and recognized their family and was jealous of their family. And they felt so happy and content in their family. And it was so close, but it just wasn't tangible. And then coming online and and seeing other gay families and glimpsing into them, you know, like y'all families, for example. I, I know it's something I'm missing and I realized that I didn't have that and I haven't had that for a long time. I just, I just, I think that's, we can't talk about it today because it's, it's going too long, but um, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that some of us mourn that kind of shift um, mm -hmm. from, afterwards um because i i am not friends with the with the friends that i was friends with in my younger years my butch queen younger early transition years once i went into fully into my womanhood and was like oh i don't i'm not forced to be at school with you because you know another reason why we were in these relationships because we were and we had to go from uh, seven o'clock in the morning to uh, four o'clock in the evening or whatever, yeah. however your school system, you you were in spaces yeah. with enforced in those spaces with my friends. I know me personally with those people because we were in school. Now, once we get in college, high school, da, 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 once we get out of those spaces and you go into your normal um, adult life, 
what does that look like? Do are people as invested in building that relationship? And there is a level of people who fall to the wayside to kind of fall. Oh, sure. And there is a mourning that you have to do. It was like, oh, I'm a new person kind of. And so I don't have those connections authentically anymore or, you know, those social connections because I'm not in those social circles. And so now mm-hmm. hey, I've shifted. And now, like me, I, I used to have tons of Butch Queen friends and I still got cool Butch Queens, but I'm talking about very close Butch Queen friends. I actually don't have any very, very close Butch Queen friends now. I, most of my friends friends are either um, trans women, then cis women, and then Butch Queens. And so um, it's that's just kind of how my life has been um, has been set up now. But it used to be um, very, very only trans women and Butch Queens were my closest circle. I'm still in relationship with quite a few people as friends, but I'm not in community in the way that I was before. I have to renegotiate what does it mean to be in community because I look different and people don't treat me a certain kind of way. And then also, you know, in cis gay spaces, people treat you a certain kind of way. And so uh, all I, all, I've only been in, 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 in queer community since I was like 15, right? So it's like, all I know is gay bars, lesbian bars, gay, the group, the, the center, the whatever, social, let's hang out, whatever. But like, not, I really wasn't in like straight people, never, still ain't really in straight people, straight people world. But what does that mean when you transition medically with testosterone, right? And it's like, now there's someone who spent all these years visibly looking and navigating the world as someone who's gender non-conforming, and then slowly over time, you don't look gender non-conforming. No, no, no. It's like, even if, regardless of how you feel about it, kind of, like you got, or you got to figure, renegotiate that. Um, and so, like, I just can't be in spaces in a safe space. Like physically, I can't be in the safe spaces sometimes without there being tension, or sometimes I just can't be in certain spaces that are exclusive for women, right? And so. Um, in spaces that I used to be in. <laughs> and so that's what I'm saying by like, like missing community in that way as someone who's like, I can talk a lot, but I'm very introvert. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm grateful that I still have those sustained relationships. Like, friends got, they had kids and da 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 da. We can still, you know, shoot the shit. It's like, you know, those are still some strong relationships. Um, but I, it would be different if I had not transitioned. Yes, these shifts in our during our transition with family, with chosen family, with blood relatives, how how however that goes. Um, tell us what y'all think about um what y'all think about that. How are you experiencing those shifts? How are you how are you prioritizing relationship with blood relatives and chosen family? How is that how is how is that working in your f- sphere of community? Hashtag Marcia's plate. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, and the high you never come down from. Whoa. What is bringing y'all euphoria this week? I'm gonna go, 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 go. okay? The rain, okay? So, um, I was a little tarty today. 
or not tart. It's not tardy. It's not tarty. It's tardy. My bad. A little tardy. Um, I got stuck in the rain, and you know, and it hasn't rained here for a minute. I mean, granted, the sky is getting darker and it's getting more gloomy, and it's the Pacific Northwest, and that sucks. But I am grateful for uh the rain. It was nice to walk in the rain, even though I didn't want to walk in the rain. I'm still very uh, triggered by my my childhood as a growing up as a conditioned as a cisgender black girl. So, you know, I had to have my head covered. I didn't have my umbrella. Mm-hmm. Had paper oh. masks because I'm in Seattle. I don't want to give you plastic because they want to save the earth, which I'm about in a place that it rains a lot. So they're going to have to figure out something else. It's <laughs> biodegradable where I can put some shit in the rain. That's not paper, right? But uh, so it was an adventure. So, but yeah, I'm just grateful for the rain. It was nice and refreshing. You know, uh, I try to get my hippy dippy out here, and, and it was one of the moments where it was just like, all right, you know, I'm out here in the rain, and it's, you know, it's, I mean, you know, it's all foresty and whatever, you know. I was just in the moment because that's all I could really do. Anyway, but <laughs> I'm grateful for the rain. It was refreshing. Yes, rain, sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, wildfires and shit. So, you know, that's it's good. It's what good. about you, Bree? Oh, my goodness. I- <laughs> It's two it's two things that, that has been putting a smile to my face um over this past week. Well, yeah, two or three. Anyway, um one is married at first sight. I've always <laughs> loved the idea of the of being on a dating show. I've always wanted to see a trans person on one of these dating shows, honey. Married on first sight UK. I mean married at first sight UK. Um I started watching this season and it's a trans girl on there and honey they are cutting up it's a trans girl and a butch queen and they are cutting up honey they are giving you television <laughs> um yes um and also, <laughs> also there's some moving and shaking there's some moving and shaking with the tupac biggie cases um i don't right. know if heard. you know tupac's uh keefe d has finally um, been charged even though he's confessed for the past 10 years like 13 <laughs> different ways um yeah on all kinds of documentaries and all kinds of shit yes all very much all types of stuff <laughs> he just done interviews online and everything um confessed to the police on tape and everything anyway um so yeah so it's it's interesting <laughs> to see what's going to happen in that case. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be some moving and shaking we don't expect. And the last but not least, I've just been enjoying dating. I'm I'm enjoying where my dating life is right now. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying where it's at right now. You know, I'm seeing a couple of people. There's two people um, who've been pretty consistent. Um, and there's, you know... I'm not completely off the market, off the market yet. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm happy with where it's at now. My euphoria is um, the Barefoot Contessa. <laughs> Come on, Barefoot Contessa? Come on. What's her name, Ina? Yeah, Ina Garten. Mm-hmm. I have been uh, binge watching her for the past couple of days. I'm like on, I started at season one. Y'all know how long she's been around. I started yeah. at season one and I'm on season 10. That's- she started, <laughs> she started like the 90s, right? Yeah, like she is she's one of the old school food, 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 people, network. food network people. Mm. And so um, just watching her 
take care wow. of her guests and just really the detail that she put in her food and in, in 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 like her parties and taking care of her the the luxury but she also isn't doing she's doing some luxury stuff but also doing showing you how to do it where it doesn't you don't have to break the bank to do it and it just has mm-hmm. been really really um joyous watching her and really just see you know this honey Long Island, East Hamptons life. Okay. Listen, <laughs> at so, ease. At ease. The ease that yeah. she is. With. And I yeah. love um, her and Jeffrey's relationship. She, her husband's name is Jeffrey. He's always on the show. And mm-hmm. just how they care for each other and can care for each other because of privilege, of course. But uh, the, but it's still beautiful to see that kind of um, relaxed way of living that, that money can bring you. Um, <laughs> and it has, and it, it's been very, very relaxing. Those are the things that have Absolutely. been bringing us euphoria. And we want to know what has been bringing y'all euphoria. Hashtag March of Play. And thank hey. you for supporting us. Thank you. Happy anniversary. Yes. And we will see y'all when we come back. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be.